Hey guys, this is Kevin and Aisha Shelton with the Marriage and Real Estate Podcast. Where we navigate partnership, prosperity, and parenthood. So this is, um, what episode is this? You even know. So I don't know. Most people don't even see me on the camera um, for the most part, but I am... Um, a producer. Um, the power behind now, the consistency. See, I don't, I don't like to say the power behind anything. They are the consistency. But um, for those of you who don't know me, of course, my name is um, LP and I'm here at the Creators Guild. And today um, on Marriage and Real Estate, I get to come from behind the production booth and interview Mr. Shelton himself. So how you doing today, sir? I'm good. How are you? I mean, we went from Y'all introducing yourselves to me on the pod. So what's going on? You was throwing chairs one time. Now, I mean, uh, is that what happened? I mean, is that what's going you know, on? it's funny. So <laughs> one of our uh, one of our uh, employees, he he just started with us. He okay. came, he listened to the episode, and he's like, you cool? You, you going to throw a chair? You going to break a chair? You straight? You sure? He should be concerned. I mean, I should be concerned right now because I'm a little dude. close. Why would you be concerned? Hey, man, your chairs hurt. <laughs> I didn't throw the chair at hey, anybody. Ricochet, anything could happen. And technically, I didn't throw the chair. Let's get, I let's break that. The chair. Let, let's break that down. I flipped not, the chair. She's not here to defend herself, so we're gonna break it she down. Would, I, okay. I flipped the chair like this. Nah, that, it, that wouldn't have warranted that though. I did. I flipped the chair. I was like, "Don't give a fuck," and I flipped the chair. <laughs> was there anything in the chair? There was like clothes and stuff. It so, like, so. It was the chair and clothes then. No, but she wasn't nowhere near the chair. It wasn't like in a direction. It would just happen to be the chair. I don't know. I don't know if I'm buying that. That uh, whether you buy it or not, I mean, look, you don't have to buy anything. I, I gotta get the chair. You gotta get right the chair. Now. Yeah. So a flip would. I don't know if it would just need to be repaired. If it was just a flip, it just broke a leg. It didn't. Break oh, okay, you didn't do too bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's See, not bad at all. It yeah. almost made. If it would have flipped completely, it would have been, been all right. right. Yeah, but it, it got caught on the side then. Okay, all right. So again, we got Mr. Shelton here. Um, let's give your um, bona fides yourself separately. The things you're involved in: Park Street Homes, yeah, Marriage and Real Estate Podcast, yeah. Um, what uh, what other companies should people know you from, or businesses that you're involved in? Uh, Aisha Shelton Realtor Team. Um, what else? K and A companies, which was our kind of older masthead, bigger brand. Okay. Uh, we've done a bunch of things over the years, so we we've had lots of different small adventures. But but right now, those will kind of be yeah, the four. We, we simplified our lives down. Yeah, I remember so you mentioning that during the last Street, episode. We have the realtor side, uh, marriage and real estate, and that's really just our babies. And then husband, father. All the titles that are, you know, supersede that you get, all yeah, the rest of that. That you get. So maybe, maybe we can start now that people are just getting an individual introduction to you. Tell us how you got into real estate. Just just your journey in general. So I've been in construction my entire adult life. So I got the bug for construction. Um, my family comes from a background of landscapers. So when I was 12 years old, I told my father I didn't want to be a landscaper, but I wanted to be outside kind of in that realm. And he used to take me to all the big mansions that they were building in River Oaks. Be like, this is what you need to do. This is real life. This is where, you know, where you need to play ball. And um, I just caught the bug. So when I went to college, I wanted to major in um, hospitality with a minor in construction because I wanted to build, own, and operate hotels. Oh, wow. So it wasn't even residential first? Nope. 
Interesting. Okay. So I started off um, managing a hotel. Well, I did. I grew to be a manager at Hotel Icon in downtown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, at 18 and I grew to become operations manager there. And that's when I realized I didn't want to run hotels. Okay. Because running hotels sucks, but building them was. But the it looks so glamorous. Sure. It looked like running Christmas, a hotel looks grim. New Year's, 12 o'clock at night, 4 o'clock in the morning, during a hurricane, <laughs> during having a baby, when you have to be present on site, it sucks. So. so the hospitality industry, really, there's no breaks because when you're working, everyone else is vacationing. Yep. And there's no money, right? Like you work your butt off for very little money. You know, I was operations manager making 35 grand a year. Yeah, that don't work. Yeah, yeah that don't work. Not at the Icon. No. Yeah, that because we know that people paying, what, three, four hundred a night? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, that don't You work. know, at the time, it was, everybody was like, oh, this is a good job. And, you know, I just had a baby. And it was a whole thing. And when I left that job to pursue my career in construction, even my mama was like, don't leave this job. And they really like you there. And you have a future. And I was like, no. Yeah. This is not my future. So so you go from the vision that mm-hmm. your family put in place for you to action. And well, I wouldn't even say they put it in place. They just didn't want me to leave what they thought was security. Makes sense. Because when I went to work for the hotel, they were like, don't go work there. You got a good job at Best Buy. Right. Like, yeah, it was yeah, just kind of like yeah. the change is what people don't want to see. Yeah. And I guess if we look at some of our our elders, so to speak. Mm-hmm. A lot of them were at one place yep. their entire time yep. and never left that one place. And they so, just want you to be secure. Yeah. Work yeah. a job, get a check, go home. Which isn't necessarily the the life that no. our generation has been trying to aspire to, for sure. No. So, so I started um, working construction as an internship, building homes for Highland okay. through college. Um, and I had four jobs when my daughter was born. So I would literally wake up. At five in the morning, build homes until two in the afternoon, go to school, then work a split shift at the hotel. And on the weekends, I would sell cameras for Sony. And I started. Which we talked about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, by the way, he knows more about the Sony cameras than I do. And it offends me when he comes in, you know. I mean, I I sold them. I know what it is. You know, we're using Sony. We made the market. When Sony first got introduced, and they made great cameras too. Mm -hmm. They really do. Translucent. (laughs) Lens technology. They make so. they make great cameras. So let, let's talk about the process then from working at you said Holland Highland Homes. Highland Homes mm-hmm. to saying I can do this on my own because that seems like a a jump to think that that's a secure place you're working. Highland mm-hmm. has probably got a good amount of new construction in oh, the yeah. city. Well, how do you say then I, I can do this myself? It was a long journey. Okay, like super long journey. So. Um, when I worked for Highland, literally, uh, Highland's grown substantially, but now, currently, Highland makes a billion dollars a year in four markets, right? They're in Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, and Austin, and they build 3,200 homes a year, make a billion dollars. 3,200 homes a year. Mm-hmm. And they build amazing homes. I mean, I can't say enough about the product. Like, they, they build amazing houses, and I was building houses between four hundred to 700000 and you were the uh, what, I was just construction, construction manager. manager. Okay, right. Okay. So, and at that, I was beginning, right? So I'm still in school. Yep. So I'm not even like full time. I'm a construction manager intern. Okay. Which they gave me 19 homes to build, and I'm responsible for every facet of construction. So when you say to build for the novices out there, I know this is marriage and real estate. 
um, with with LP today. Uh, what, what do you mean by to build? Because I think some people don't understand if they haven't built their own home, mm-hmm. um, haven't done anything custom or new construction. Okay. I don't know if they would understand what it means to actually build a home. So basically, they'd come up, hand you a set of plans, okay. and say, take this from dirt to house. Wow. Wow. Okay. But scale that, right? So you're inside a community. So you don't just have one house. You have 19 of them in the same neighborhood Wow. at a time. So so that's why the timelines sometimes don't always go the way they should. Uh, I mean, to a degree, it, it doesn't take a lot to build a house. Well, it takes a lot to build a house. But from a process standpoint, production builders have it all figured out. Okay. So you're not figuring out calculations. You're basically making phone calls to the purchasing department, ordering your lumber package, ordering your concrete, things like that. Your job is site management. So you're managing the subs, you're managing the process, and they give you a schedule to follow. Okay. Right? So uh, it's like order of steps. And having a degree in construction, I can understand reading the blueprints and then interpreting them into direction for the subcontract. So from, I mean, obviously Highland is a process and we'll get into Park Street also, mm-hmm. but from start to finish, mm-hmm. how, how long does that process generally take? So with Highland, they were bigger homes, so it took about six months. Okay, six months. So, mm-hmm. And is that homes that are already sold or are these in like new developments where they're Sales managers are out there trying to get people to buy. It depends. So the majority of them were sold. So you go into the sales office, you say, I want lot 19. And you put your $1,000 deposit down and we start building it. Once it's permitted, then it comes to me and they say, okay, go down to the city, pick up your permits. Gotcha. And I was building in League City and then eventually I moved to Katy. But um, they'd say, go down, pick up your permits and start preparing for construction. They have all the processes figured out. They give you a list of all the trades, and it's your job to basically make calls, schedule everything out, okay. and then manage the quality of the build during the process. So when you say it was a, a long journey, that you just pick up a lot of you know, things that you use now from your time at Highland? Definitely. Definitely. Okay. A thousand percent. So you're, you're really a person, and I've heard you all talk about it from the producer's table, you kind of work your nine to five mm-hmm. to fuel your passion. True. And it sounds like that's kind of what you did. And you were able to pick up practical knowledge in what you're doing now. True, true. And it, it definitely applies, right? So um, the long journey part of that is from Highland, I went commercial. So the majority okay. of my career I spent in commercial construction. So I left Highland Homes to go to Hensel Phelps, which is one of the largest general contractors okay. in the country. Um, they built the Golden Gate Bridge. Wow. They built a, a lot of big structures across the country. Um, and they're a huge, huge general contractor on the commercial side. Okay. So they recruited me um, to come in and work on a building. So I started working on my first building as a project engineer. Um, so I left Highland as a construction manager and went to Hensel Phelps as a project engineer on the commercial side, okay. which was 100% different. Okay, so give us some differences then. Like, um, And you say a building, you're talking... Skyscraper, thirteen uh, stories. Okay. Um, you know, I forget what the total square footage is, but big building. Big building. Okay. Okay. So, um, basically, when I made the transition to the commercial side, what that looked like was a project engineer manages subcontractors the same way, but on the commercial side, you don't manage the you don't manage the quality and in the installation 
from the office. So I worked in the office. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. The gotcha. site superintendents and the field superintendents worked in the field. So for me, it was contracts, paperwork, um, process, administration, things like that. So you're still, you know, paying people, yeah. writing checks, things like that. You're making sure work is done from an implementation standpoint. But it's I'm calling the field to make sure it's done correctly. And then I'm approving work. Uh, but it's the office side of that. So did you ever go to the field to inspect? Every day. Okay. Because you're on a job site. So you're on a gotcha. job site to build gotcha. a building for two years. So your office is the job site. Mm -hmm. Okay. Office out of a trailer in the job site. So this is 50 different people that work on a building for two years, putting it all together. So with that, I had seven different trades that I was in control of from landscaping to building signage. And I was responsible to make sure that not only did we bid it out to those subs, that we got their contracts issued, that they ordered everything they need to order, and then got it installed, quality checked, and then got paid at the end of the day. Okay. okay. And then I was also responsible for closing out that entire building. Man, that's a lot of responsibility. I mean, it is. That's what you go to school for. But that's a lot of responsibility. I mean, just thinking um, by the amount of responsibility you have to close out that project, now, a lot of people are relying on you. That's closing what I'm saying. Like, a lot. Yeah. And I did it by myself. So I closed yeah. out that entire building. It was 72 file boxes of documents that had to be uh, put together, cataloged, inventoried. Uh, no computer inputs? No. Or, man. <laughs> no, this was before. What? <laughs> we had computers and stuff, but yeah. this was before people went digital. So everything was paper. So in order to you turn can a scan building, stuff at least, or mm -hmm. because oh man, you nah. have to have a physical transmittal for nah. every single uh, everything that you put in that building. You had to have a copy of it. You had to know the specifications of it. You had to have a copy of the contracts. You had to have a copy of the warranty documents. Uh, all the security. That sounds terrible. That sounds know. terrible. It was cool. It was nah, good it, that is not so cool. I mean, it was a good experience. It's because you, it's because you like what you was doing, but that does not. And sound this good. was a health science building, so it had like the medical equipment place, yeah, yeah. and chemicals and things like that. Nah, nah. So it couldn't be me. I could already tell you that. Now I, I would have messed that building up. You have a different skill set. I do. I do. Yeah, you my do skill, numbers yeah. and my technology for sure. Okay, so from there, then tell us how you got to Park Street. Obviously, I know that um, you and Aisha. I think around that time, y'all probably no, no not no. even then. Okay, mm -mm, this is still we're still in 08, 09. Okay, so even we hadn't even got to the marriage no, part of marriage and real estate. No, I was married, but I was in my first marriage. Okay, so I got married at twenty. I had my oldest daughter. You did mention 20. that on the episode. So before. between Highland and Hensel Phelps, I had my daughter. Okay, I left Hensel. I left Highland to go to Hensel Phelps right when my daughter was born. Gotcha. And what I saw was. Um, and at the same time, I was still working at the hotel. So literally what I saw was the income potential that I had on the residential side and the commercial side was much different. So at the hotel, I was making 35 grand. At Highland, I was making 35 grand plus a bonus. Gotcha. gotcha. Right. At Hensel Phelps, I started off at 50 grand. But it seems like you gravitated back to residential, though. Eventually. Okay. Okay. Eventually. Okay. okay. And I'll, okay. I'll tell you why. And I'll, I'll clarify that. So on the commercial side, um, I spent the majority of my time because the incomes for salaried employees are much higher. Okay. So from Hensel Phelps, I went to uh, another general contractor called the Trevino Group. From there, I rose the ranks basically 
to running a division for them. So okay. um, throughout that, my salary grew substantially uh, and, you know, doubled, basically. Gotcha. So I made more gotcha. money throughout my life and I spent, you know, seven years of my time. Yeah. Um, that during that Trevino time is when I met Aisha. Uh, well, I went through a divorce. Man, got yeah. got uh, introduced to Aisha from a client at the hospital yeah. at MD Anderson. I was building for MD Anderson, running a division for Trevino, and I uh, met her. We got together, and uh, I mean, I literally we were inseparable since then. Yeah, yeah. Um, and. I was still in school the entire time. That's the other caveat. You did that. mention that. So, okay, so let's go back to that then. You hadn't finished the... I was a horrible student. So the degree that you start, that you said, hey, I'm going to get knocked the out. The degree I started in 2004. You didn't finish till, till when? 2014. But that should let people know right here. So look, look into this camera. Let people know that it ain't where you start. It's when you finish. Because that's what people think. Hey, but, it ain't where you start. But I'm talking about as far finish. as education yeah, is concerned. Like true. most people think... If I start my degree and I don't finish in, you know, four to six years, even if you end up being, you know, six no. year student, they think I'm not I shouldn't go back and finish. So what motivated you to go back and finish? I had no choice. And I, I didn't go back. I was in school the entire time. Other than like periods of time where I was academically suspended. <laughs> I was in school every semester full time. Yeah. I ended up with double the amount of credits that I needed, but it and didn't no apply. Degree. Yeah, yeah, it no didn't degree. apply. So, you know, the problem with that was I was a horrible student and I worked really well. So I had a great career, but the school part, I just wasn't, I wasn't as dedicated. Gotcha. Um, so I built this amazing career. I made a bunch of money. I got promotions. I had all this stuff going for me. I was representing my school at professional organizations and events yeah. before I had my degree. And when I graduated, I'm graduating with essentially a younger class than the class that I came in of with. Of course, yeah. So from a career years. standpoint, yeah. I'm where I should be or surpassed my classmates at the time Okay, um, because I had 10 years worth of work experience by the time I graduated. Yeah, but that but that's why I tell people too. It, it, it doesn't mean that you should stop just because you didn't finish on that timeline. No, that's like, true. Go back, finish doing what you're doing, and then let's go to Park Street now. I know that there's well, probably... Well, let me, let me throw one shout out to my wife before. I would not have graduated oh, if really? I didn't okay. start dating Aisha. So, okay. uh, <clears throat> funny story, there was a calculus class that was just kicking my ass, okay. and I could not pass it. Well, I dropped it three times, and I had taken it at HCC <laughs> over the summer and passed it, but they wouldn't accept my C grade. Oh, they wouldn't take the transfer they, credit. They wouldn't oh, take the transfer credit okay. until this. And this is a funny combination of things. The semester before, and I could have graduated without this one class. Okay. The semester before, uh, I'd asked them, I said, hey, will you accept this class? They said, nope, because you can still take it. Well, they changed the rules where you could only take a class three times or whatever. When they changed the rules is when I was dating Aisha. So... She was like, you just need to go to the, you know, register's office and ask. So I went to ask and they were like, uh, now you've dropped the class three times. You can no longer take it here. We have to accept this credit wow. from HCC. Wow. So within a semester, less than six months. Yeah. Dating Aisha started in, uh, in August. I graduated that December. Hey, hey, you know, you you had um, a woman by your side that was getting you together. She oh, said. But it wasn't even the end of the journey because literally to make it to the graduation table, I had a marketing class that I had to make to get a 2.0 to walk across the stage and not have to go back. I had to get a B minus in a marketing class. 
And when the final grades came out in December, right before graduation, I got a C plus. And I emailed the teacher and I was like, Lord, God just put it on my heart. I was like, email him. I was like, can you please change my grade? I was like, told him, I literally told him my whole story. And he was like, no. He was like, if I change your grade, I got to change it for everybody else. And he shot me down and I was heartbroken. But he changed it in the system. Ah, oh, that's, and that's I a blessing. Graduated. That's you know, that's that's a crazy. So you went from mm-hmm. you know eighteen in college, ready to you know wrap this up in three years. I think you mentioned before you were trying to do it fast. I was trying, yeah, because I wanted to graduate by twenty one. Yeah, I think you mentioned but that. I had all these plans, and, and then it took you that. till thirty one. Yeah, basically to finish everything or thirty. 30 to yeah. finish everything man i mean but that's a journey though i mean because now you have that as a part of your toolkit when you talk to people if they're making excuses about things wow. you can go back and share your story that's a good point you know feel like that but that's what it is though you, you can always share your story so now you all have this conglomerate of businesses that you mm-hmm. put together park street aisha shelton um realtor aisha shelton team uh, aisha shelton team um, C and K, what you call it? K and A. K and A, and um, Marriage and Real Estate Podcast. Mm-hmm. How do you juggle all four of those things, and be a husband, and be a father, and probably a son also? You know, you got yeah. all of those, and maybe a brother, etc. How do you manage all those things? We drop <laughs> several balls all the time, and we have to pick them up and get our lives together. No, I mean, you know, it's it's funny because. Um, you pick what's important, right? Okay. So there was lots of inconsistency in the podcast because it was the last of our totem pole. Gotcha. And, um, you know, we had many more endeavors that we were doing. We were doing rentals. We were doing Airbnbs and all this other stuff. And we had to simplify that down because it took away so much time. Uh, Aisha wasn't a licensed agent at the beginning. Gotcha. She didn't get her license until 2019. Um, I mean, it was just the evolution of it all, right? Like K&A originally was, um, and it's still our email, but originally that was like the head business. And then we had all these different entities underneath it. And what it evolved into was, um, we'll always be K&A because it's Kevin and Aisha. Of course. But uh, our businesses became standalone. And did y'all always know when you all partnered that it was going to be entrepreneurship? I think it was always designed to be a wealth building vehicle. Us being full-time entrepreneurs was something that evolved. Okay. Um, I never didn't like what I did. I've always done the same thing. So yeah. since I was 19 and I started my first construction company, like 18, 19, right before, um, right before we got pregnant with my daughter, I knew that um, construction was my thing. Okay. But I always did construction. So I've always felt that level of freedom and, and achievement and enjoyment in my day-to-day work, whether I was building a building for myself or somebody else or a house for myself or somebody else. It didn't really matter to me. I, the task list is kind of the same. Okay. Uh, for her, she was in an industry for you know the better part of 15 years where while she had a high title, she didn't have a high salary or high freedom. Understand. And spend a bunch of money in <clears throat> student debt and stuff. People to, will quickly give you a title. Oh yeah. The titles, I mean, they throw them around like nothing. So even when we got together, you know, she was a director of yeah. this. 
And I'm like, but you don't make no money. Yeah, T- titles. Like, you make fifty grand. I was like, I made fifty grand when I was twenty five. Like, Yo, titles do not come with the money. No. Like, if someone tries to give you a, oh, you a vice president of this, chances are they're gonna no. come with the paycheck. It really, honestly, if you have the ability to grow your skill set, that's so much more important than Agreed. a title. Um, I've learned so much more by being in a position where I had to do everything. Yeah. Yeah. Then. Yeah, you got this title and you over these people, but you don't know the infrastructure of the business or Agreed. how to actually run it. So um, when we got together um, was, you know, right in that time and I was graduating and everything. I went to work for CBRE, which is the largest real yep. estate company in the world. Yep. And I went to work for them because I wanted to learn the ownership side okay. of the table, what it looks like on the development side, on the owner side. I understood the contractor side. I had good experience in residential and commercial. And now I wanted to understand development and I wanted to understand the large scale ownership side of it uh, and what that gave me exposure to, as well as um from a salary perspective, lots more resources. Of course. Right? It gave me a big picture of what a huge organization could do, the power behind you, the resources you have at your disposal, travel across the country. Because yeah. once I was free from school, now I can travel. Yeah, yeah you ain't a student my, no more. Yeah, yeah. And my daughter's older, yeah. right? So now I'm in California building. No doubt. I'm Arizona no doubt. and Louisiana. And I can do all these things that I was never exposed to. Yeah. Because I was trapped by school. And with a young child. Yeah. Yeah. So I got the experience to do a lot more. And that's where it really kicked in of how do we get on the ownership side of this? No doubt. And we knew when we got together, we both wanted to invest in real estate. What evolved was the ownership side of it to understand now we want to control our time. Okay. Because what Aisha (laughs) always told me when we first started dating was, look, I have older parents. Uh, I'm going to need to take care of them. So I got to figure something out. Yeah. And I knew the same with my mother and that we would have to put some things in place for our family. And while I had freedom, right, I wasn't free. Of course. So I had more freedom from my job and flexibility and I could pick my daughter up from school. Or I could go do what I wanted to do during the day if I needed to, as long as I got my work done. I didn't have any equity. Yeah. yeah. Um, so ownership time, equity, those are all things that were important to us, became important to us. Definitely. Uh, and that's why we really started k Companies. And from that led to the evolution into Park Street and Aisha Shelton Realty. So what was the first, uh, well, you've told this story on the podcast before, her home that she had yeah. became the vessel mm-hmm. for everything. Maybe just a brief, because I know you all do some clubhouse. You, of course, have the podcast. You're um, active on social media, but but give people maybe who might have a separate property mm-hmm. how they can take that one property and start into this process of being in real estate. I mean, you just <clears throat> got to come up with a plan for you and your family. Okay. Right? Like what your end goal is. So if your end goal is passive income and you want to replace a paycheck, then rentals are your way to go. Okay. If you want to replace, um, you know, basically large sums of cash, right? Like you don't make a bunch of money, so you want to fill in the gaps of that with large checks, then you might want to look at wholesaling or building or something like that that creates capital gains because that's the only way to get big chunks of money. Okay. Right? If you want to replace just a monthly paycheck, you can use that first property, rent it out, get $500 a month, keep it basic. You get enough $500 a month, you yeah. can buy yourself down at your paycheck. But if you need to make hundred grand then maybe you want to look at one of these vehicles that kind of expedite that process. And see, you you speak a, a language that most people understand, 
buying down your paycheck. Mm -hmm. Like I think um, oftentimes when um, I hear people who talk in real estate, they don't speak in those simple of terms. Um, Sometimes they make it too um, fancy, so to speak, because they feel like their expertise is only their expertise versus what they could share with people. So um, you say start with a plan and that plan can be anything from buying down your paycheck or attempting to get large sums but yeah, because if you make five thousand dollars a month, yeah, right, then you need ten of those houses, yeah. at five hundred dollars a month, yeah. to be out of out of work, of course, right? or by yourself, by your paycheck every month. Yeah, um, if you make fifty grand and you want to make a hundred grand, then you need to find a way to make another fifty grand. Right? Yeah, so you need a big check. Yeah, right. So you, you could build one house a year, make fifty grand, and there you go, you got a hundred grand. Of course, of course. So you don't have to work that hard, right? Yeah, but everybody's telling you to do everything. They are. And we started off the same way. It was like, oh, we're doing Airbnbs, we're doing rentals, we're doing this, we're doing that. And what happened was you realize is, yeah, all this stuff can be successful. Yeah. But is it right for you? Yeah. Does it give you more time? You know, like- And it probably, y'all probably had a lot of time wasters in that. And look, we had Airbnbs, Airbnbs made- a crap ton of money. But but when I'm at the movies with my wife that's, at yes. midnight and a toilet so, break it, and I got to go, go over there, it, yeah, she yeah, like yeah. sell them goddamn houses. <laughs> it don't matter. Like it don't matter how much it makes. It's a loss of time. So Houston, and, and I know we're kind of going around a circle. Is that an Airbnb market even? Yeah, huge Airbnb market. Now, is it a is it a touristy market? No. Okay. But is it a medical traveler market? Of course. Yes. Is it a of professional course. traveler market? Yes. Is it oversaturated now? Did we probably add to that problem? Yes. yes. <laughs> so, you know, that's part of it. So before we wrap up, if you were to give people one piece of advice and one thing that they should know about you and projects that you've got going on, what would that be? You know, separate out what... Forget everything that you're seeing on social media or what you hear. Uh, you know, the latest guru tell you, you got to figure out what's right for you and your family. Some people love their jobs. I know doctors who yeah. um, who will never not be a doctor, but they also need a vehicle to invest their of money. Of course. Right. Some people absolutely hate their job. So you have to determine based on your plan, if you got a job problem, an income problem, Right. Or retirement problem. Like yeah. what your problem, yeah, what your is. problem is. Yeah. And then you have to figure out what's the best vehicle that can solve that problem. Um, but it's really planning. If you spend more time thinking about um, what your problem is and what the avenues are to solve it and then educate yourself based on those. That's the smartest play you could have. And that's free. It is. Right. Like it is. literally you could say, OK, well, I know in 10 years I want to retire from my job because I love what I do but I don't want to work forever. Yeah. Then you can yeah. slowly start amassing a rental portfolio, but educate yourself on that along the way. Yeah. Right. If you're like, I hate my job, I'm ready to quit tomorrow. Then you could quit your job, but what are you <laughs> going to do in real estate? Right. So you need to start looking at what are the jobs that you can do in real estate that still create income because being an investor can be somebody's job, 
but it might not be your job exactly. if you're starting off with no money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? You're not going to be a professional investor you're with not, $5. You're definitely not. That's not yeah. going to, you could get a return, you could get a thousand percent return on $5. It's not going to do <laughs> you, you. Yeah, you only made $500. It's you not going to do money. it. Like, yeah. That's what I'm saying. But a thousand percent return is amazing. <laughs> but a seven percent return on $5 billion is no a lot of hey, money. some bread. Yeah, like, that's some bread. Yeah. It's funny. Side note, side story. So Rice Endowment, right? Yes. Rice's Endowment. Rice owns the majority of real estate in the city of Houston. And people don't even know that. No. Yeah. So um, their fund manager came and spoke at a ULI event that I attended. And she said that the university has to earn 7% a year. So they I have a $5 that. billion dollar endowment. Yep. They have to earn 7% a year. Why? Because inflation is going to eat up too. Yep. And the university needs five to operate. So, well, that's odd because Rice is... You know, this may be a separate conversation off pod, but they should uh, collect tuition and fees that subsidize that endowment dollars. I, look, I'm just telling you what the lady said. <laughs> OK, OK, but go ahead. Go she ahead. said they got five billion dollars. They got to make seven percent. And what's crazy is, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with endowments, you mm. know, um, and I'm familiar that Rice. That's owns, your world. Yeah, they, they own a good amount of the real estate mm. in Houston. And it's weird. Pretty much all of the real estate around Rice. Mm -hmm. And people don't even know that. Nope. I mean, what you think it's called Rice Village for? But most people don't put University the two and two together. Area. They don't put that together, though. Well, UH would be different, though. No, UH owns the majority of real estate around them. Just now. recently. That's true. That's you see true. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, Rice is owned it for 100 years. Th that's, that's what true. I'm getting at. Yeah, that's so true. it's... Uh, yeah, but Rice got much deeper pockets well, than UH. So, so people who will listen to this that's not from Houston, we're really down the deep of yeah, yeah, um, Houston right that's now. That's true, that's true. Because, um, yeah, I mean, just here recently, UH started to creep and encroach. No, but so I'll, I'll give you an example. Yeah. On $5,000, a 7% return is this it, yeah, no doubt. Because it doesn't move the needle enough for you to. Yeah, you've got $350. Like, yeah. you need to do something else with the exactly. money, right? Now, once you get those higher dollars, you can live off those smaller returns. Without question. Because yeah. it generates more money begets money. Yeah. But you got to get there. Yeah. So if you don't start off with a plan, you'll just never get there. True. And it's funny because I've, I've witnessed a lot of conversations lately, especially on Clubhouse, about investing, investing, investing. And right now, our biggest investment is our businesses. Without question. It's not yeah. even a property or a house. It's the time, energy, and effort we're investing in operating and growing these businesses. Yep. yep. Because yep. the return is infinite. Yeah, yeah. I think once people get out of, um, and this is probably a little deep down the, the rabbit hole, but um, cash isn't always your friend. Cash, look, I just watched like, the whole it's, thing it's, about cash depreciating that. <laughs> the, <laughs> like, it's crazy. Cash people, is not your friend at if all. If people could just understand the time value of money, mm -hmm. then... Um, uh, and y'all are learning that on the Marriage and Real Estate Podcast. Y'all should continue to listen even after this episode where I um, was Aisha today. So you should, um, like, if people could You're understand. Not, as not far from that. Trust me. Sorry. <laughs> the um, time value of money, if people could just get that in their head, what a dollar is today versus a dollar tomorrow, yep. I think that would change how people look at money. Side note. <laughs> Another side note. Yeah, I'm listening. Uh, I was listening to. Um, another podcast and they were talking about time value of money but they were also talking about essentially the wealth gap oh no doubt and yeah. the reason why the wealth gap keeps yeah. growing is because if you have to live off of exactly 95 percent of your income yes and you're only investing maybe that five yes. percent saving maybe that five percent the amount of money that 
that you're able to grow is just, I mean, the returns are, are wealth dismal. Is, wealth is rarely made from a salary. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, that's just oh, what it is. Another podcast said this too. That's what it is. They've never seen somebody who works two jobs have more money than somebody who works one. It, I mean, <laughs> it's 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 a it, it's a science. Mm-hmm. I think the um, the American uh, exceptionalist, the way we built our society, it built us to be workers. Hard work. It didn't build us to be owners. No. And you can work three, four, five, six, seven jobs. But if you're not an owner in one of those, then you won't see the difference in what's happening. So separate that. Society built us to be workers. The government actually supports ownership. Oh. The tax code. But, but, land but, but they don't teach that, though. That's true. See, so so society is the education system. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would say um, the government, they definitely want to they keep. They incentivize ownership. Because they want liquidity in the system. Yeah. They want us. It's going to trickle on down. Yeah, but it doesn't. I'm going to let y'all know <laughs> when never, I start trickling down yo, my it, dollar. You ain't trickling down nothing. I ain't trickling down a damn thing. Yeah, just, <laughs> I'm not trying to trickle down to nobody. You ain't trickling down nothing. Yeah. So, trickle down to these children. I'm not. <laughs> look. I ain't trying to trickle down shit. Yeah, like the way, the, way uh, the, the, the government would say is that we incentivize business owners because they're job creators, which that's not actually why they do it. It's just because the tax code is comfortable for people who started the country. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And, and landowners were the people who started the country. And keep those folks in power. That's what it is. So, um, but this is, so go ahead. Come yeah. back to a question that yes. you first asked me. Why yeah. did I come back to residential? That's, yeah. Ownership, equity in residential is more profitable than working in commercial. Ah, that makes sense. I wouldn't have thought about that. Yeah, because so, I'll give you an example. Yeah. I can make one hundred fifty thousand dollars salary of at course. my commercial construction job. I can build three houses in in the span of thirty six weeks. Yeah, and make that same amount of money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it makes complete sense. As you started talk telling me the timeline and what the initial and a lot of people don't understand that you don't have to come out of pocket for a lot of this. No, these are banks and financing that you work with. We put people's money to work to make our projects work. We fund our projects by the people. But that's that's what people don't get. Like, oftentimes people think that, man, I I don't have $50,000 to start something. But you probably have a group of people that you all can get together with. And y'all can come up with, hey, so you may not have the biggest pool or the biggest pot this first investment, but the next one, it gets bigger. The next one, it gets bigger and it grows. Like, and... The way y'all talked with the collective podcast that y'all have with the facets, mm-hmm. that's what people, our community should be yeah. on. The the more collective, the better. Together. It just and makes see, sense. It's funny. I meet people every day that don't understand how wealthy they are, right? Did did you ever quit a job and uh, they turned your 401k into an IRA? Um, I've always, well, well so, yeah, I, <laughs> my background is... Yes. So no. Regardless. Yes. Yeah. Let's say that. Go ahead. Go right. with it. Most go with it. people. Yes. Go you with quit it. your job. And they 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 immediately transfer those funds out. Yeah. That's investable dollars. Without and the majority question. of American wealth is held in retirement accounts. Yeah. If not, um, and property. Well, not even. Well, not our people. Yeah. No. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even a registered. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm, I'm not. I'm, <laughs> the majority of American wealth is not held by black people. Without so question. Therefore, I'm not talking specifically about. So yes, that. retirement accounts mm-hmm. um, or thrift savings plans, mm-hmm. and also real estate. You're correct. And it, the majority of the real estate is your house. That's most persons. Most mm-hmm. the thing that will be their biggest 
piece of wealth will be their house. So yeah. a, a friend of mine put it in terms like this. We trade in the largest person, the, the largest purchase that somebody will ever make. Yes. Right. So any yes. at any given time, I own several homes. Yeah. Most people work their entire lives For to own a home. Yep. But we trade in that, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing. Our, you know, a car dealer trading cars. You spend your whole life, you might have five cars. Yeah. Car dealer might have 50 cars at a time. He's trading in something that's a very large purchase for you. Yep. But people don't look at their retirement accounts, right? Are their vehicle, their chip to get on the board. It really is. So use that to grow your wealth. It's how you invest your money. If you're not investing your money, you're losing. It don't matter. You could have $100,000 cash in the bank. It does not count as much as a hundred thousand dollar investment Without because it's question. not growing like that. Without question, yeah. That point zero zero two percent that they're gonna give you ain't helping. <laughs> so. And I think, and I think at that we'll we'll leave it. Again, um, I'm gonna let you close out, of course. But uh, I will personally say that I've enjoyed um, working with the Marriage and Real Estate Podcast. We've recently. Well, we're about 10 episodes in we together are. now. That's yeah. more episodes than we've done. I, I, it's crazy. No, I mean, we've done we've done more episodes with the network in four months. Yeah. Than then we've done a year. in two years. Yeah, two years. Yeah. So I, y'all will see more content, less of me, of course. Y'all will see more content. Um, I'm encouraged by what they're doing, what we're seeing, um, ranking in the business charts, um, on different uh, podcast platforms. So um, if you haven't been able to subscribe or download or follow, um, you can go to Marriage and Real Estate on Instagram, uh, Marriage and Real Estate Podcast on any podcast player, iHeart, Apple, Spotify, Google Play. It doesn't matter. They're there. And then now the full video is on YouTube. So or growing that channel, growing that page, you'll see some new content on YouTube also. So anything you want to do before you close it out. Shameless plug. Follow, like, subscribe, share. I never say that. You got to do it. I should always say that. <clears throat> Marriage and Real Estate Podcast. Uh, Aisha's not here, but we still here. We out. All right. <laughs>